Hey, good morning, Harlem. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a welcome back. Oh, my goodness. I missed that. Missed you guys. Good to see everybody. I'm alive. I'm alive. Despite all the rumors, I'm alive. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's good to see everybody. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. My doctor told me not to be on my leg too much, so we're going to jump right into this. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you for this time together. Uh, Father, we're, we're so grateful for talented people like those who are just sung and are part singers and those who, who carry us to your throne room, God, with, with song and worship. And we're just so grateful for them, God. And we pray that uh, we can continue this worship. I pray that my words will be yours, uh, Father, that we'll leave here today uh, deciding to have a greater faith and uh, to deepen our trust in you. And, uh, Father, we do pray that you'll help us to mature in the disciplines that we look at, Father, as we, uh, as we strive to grow closer to you and uh, to grow closer to one another. Uh, the world needs more godly people, and uh, we hope to become those. Uh, we love you and thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the, t- the title of my message today is Test Yourself. Test Yourself. Now, before we move on to the next uh, of our spiritual disciplines, that you know, I, I thought that it would be good for us to kind of do a brief recap of what we've looked at for the past two months. Now, I'm not going to go back over all the messages that we've done, but I think that it's important for us to really ask ourselves, well, how are we doing? You know, we, the first uh, month we opened up on what? Well, what was our first discipline? Who knows? Prayer, right? We talked about prayer. And, you know, we, 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 we talked about it, we prayed together, and I just want to, you know, ask yourself, how, how's it been going? How's my prayer life? Has it improved? Has it gotten deeper? Has it been more consistent? Uh, and then the next month we talked about what? Bible study, right? We looked at the Bible. Now, I know you're like, well, James, we do that every week. But, yeah, but sometimes you just got to focus on these things if you want to grow and if you want to improve in these areas. So this morning, I want to ask you to ask yourself, how, well, where is my faith as a result of my focus on prayer and my focus on my Bible study? Now, this isn't a pass or fail type of test. This is just to discern, you know, where are you? You know, where am I this morning? And, and I know that I've had a lot of time to really think about this laid up and recovering from surgery I had to ask myself, James, how's your, how, how, are you, how are you doing in your faith? Do you feel like you've grown? Do you feel like you've matured? And, and I can honestly say that, you know, I was sharing this with my wife uh, yesterday that, you know, I, I've looked at some passages that I've looked at over the years, min, you know, many times. And I think a true test of your faith is when you read your Bible and you gain deeper insight from the passages you've read multiple times before. If you can see something different, if you can draw something different, and as a result, it has an impact on your character, it has an impact on your life, you know you've grown. So be encouraged by that. Now, sometimes we need to be careful and take those convictions and run them through some filters. 
Because sometimes we can read something and say, wait a second. This right here says that if I want anything, I can have it. All I just do is ask God for it. So I want a million dollars. So that's, that's what I can, you know. So you got you to gotta have some filters, right? Because there are some convictions you've had many years ago that may need to go through the filter of the Bible again just to make sure it's in step with what God really wants. You know, so I do want to encourage you to do that. But why is this important? Why is a regular checkup important? Well, the reason I had surgery is because I was dealing with uh, an injury for a few years, and I've neglected to get it dealt with until I went for a checkup and found out that, yeah, you need surgery. And so we, sh- we don't want to get to that place spiritually where we put something off in our faith for so long to God has to perform surgery now on our faith. So the Bible encourages us to test ourselves. Turn with me over in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As a matter of fact, you can look here because I, I use the amplified version. And Paul encourages the church, you know, the Corinthian church, they tested Paul. Because Paul didn't go through the normal channels to become an apostle. Paul didn't walk with Jesus like Peter and the other apostles did. Paul was, like he called himself, abnormally born. Paul didn't go through the the regular uh, channels. He didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't see the miracles that Jesus performed. And so the Corinthian church, even though Paul had planted the church, had their doubts. And they were like, how do we even know you're a real apostle? How do we know that you're not one of those guys that's just going around talking about Jesus but don't really know what he's talking about. So when you read through First and Second Corinthians, Paul, Paul spends a significant amount of time proving his apostleship. And they put him through tests. And so Paul said, now test yourself. Let's flip the script here a little bit. Examine yourself because I know I'm in Christ. I know what God called me to do. I know on the road to Damascus who I saw, who blinded me and who opened my eyes. I know who gave me the charge to take the message to the Gentiles. Now let's test you. Examine yourself. And here in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see if whether you're holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits from it. You know, our faith, if we're growing, should produce spiritual fruit in our lives. That's the Bible right there. You look over in in the, uh, the message version, it says, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You know, we need to, every year you're walking with God, every, every month that you're walking, you've got to make sure you're in step with God. Because Christianity today is not the same as Christianity 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. Things are changing. And God wants to make sure that we examine ourselves, that we still believe the things that we first believed. 
that we're still loving people, loving one another, as Jesus called us. Those things don't change. Society will change. Laws will change. Your zip code will change. Your weight will change. Things will change in our lives, but there are some things that should never change. And that's the word of God. And so we have to make sure that we are not drifting along and taking it for granted. Now imagine for a second if there was some sort of invention, if there was some sort of machine that can actually test our faith for us. Right? Like a faith-o-meter type machine. I just invented patent pending. Just imagine, right? You wake up in the morning and you hook yourself up to this faith machine. Where would it say you are this morning? Just holding on? I'm pressing on? Or I'm on fire? Because when I get in my car and I turn it on, it tells me the level of gas. It measures how much gas is in my tank. And that determines how far I can go. If I'm on E, I can't go far. If I got a quarter tank, you know, I can get the church and back. I can't go to Pennsylvania, but I can get the church and back. If I'm on a full tank, I can go over 200 miles. Maybe round trip on a full tank of gas. How about your faith? If your faith is on E, how far can you go? If your faith is at half tank, you're pressing on, at least you're, you're doing something. You're going somewhere. But I believe most of us want to be on fire. We want to be able to go wherever God has taken us and be able to have enough in the tank to come back, right? And so ask yourself, where is my faith this morning. You can borrow my faith meter and measure your faith. See, this is not too far from, from, from what Jesus did back in his day. Jesus was always measuring people's faith. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 24, Matthew chapter 8, verse 24 says, Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Now, let's stop here for a second. You know, I go fishing every year. I'm not a great swimmer. All right. I don't go fishing. I don't wear a life vest. But I go and when I go fishing, I'm not thinking about drowning. I'm not thinking about waves crashing. But I will tell you, there have been some scary moments on the boat. And, you know, you're on this big vessel and you're thinking, man, you know, I feel pretty safe. But, man, those are some big, pretty big waves. And, you know, and I've seen grown men clinging to the boat because the waves are so big. And there have been a few times where I thought, wow, Lord, you know, this could really turn out bad. Like. This would be, I mean, I love fishing, but this is not how I really want to go. Like, how did James die? He died on a fishing trip. I'm like, no, I don't want to go out like this. 
But I can really relate to these guys because if you've ever been on a boat and it's rocking and there's, you feel so helpless, you feel powerless, you, there's no way you can control it, you just got to roll with it. You just got to go with it. So before you, you get on these guys about, about yelling out to Jesus, think about when's, when's the last time you've been terrified because the situation was out of your control. That's where they were at. And so they did what everybody in their right mind would do. They called on Jesus. Now, Jesus was sleeping, which I still to this day find amazing that Jesus was able to sleep during the storm. And so then he got up, he rebuked the waves, he rebuked the wind, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, I, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to picture what this would look like. I imagine Jesus getting up and rebuking everybody. The wind and, and the disciples just happened to be in the wave. And the, I, I'm sleeping. He had a long day. There's a reason Jesus was asleep. He was tired. He was still God in the flesh. He was still tired. He, was, he, was, he had limitations just like you and I. He was asleep. You know, I don't like being awakened for anything. It's already hard for me to fall asleep. So when I'm in a good, deep sleep, the last thing I want to be is awakened from that sleep. And especially for something that I feel you could have taken care of without me. They woke Jesus up with a question. Just like our kids sometimes when you're trying to get a good nap in. And they wake you up, and you better be, it's, the house better be on fire. Can I have a cookie? <laughs> what? So I'm thinking it was more like that. Like Jesus was like, what? When? Wait, shut up. Why are you afraid? Oh, little faith. And, you know, when you think about it, up until this point, imagine what these guys saw Jesus do. They saw Jesus raise the dead. They saw Jesus heal people. Jesus fed like 9,000 people on two different occasions. And you still doubt. I can't even take a nap around you. So we're testing our faith. How do you know if your faith is weak? We panic in the midst of a storm. You know, in Mark's account, the disciple says, don't you care if we drown? You know, when our faith is weak, we turn on people. We, we, we turn on people. The people in our lives, when we don't trust, when, we, when our faith is not where it needs to be, it's quick for us to turn on people. Some of us even turn on God. Don't you even care? We're going through this storm, and people aren't scrambling around in panic like we are. So we automatically, we, we automatically assume that they don't care because they're not, as, they're not as frantic as we are. Maybe it's because their faith is at a different place than yours. Well, how come you're not away? How come you're not worried about this? How come you're not upset? How come you? Because God's got it. 
And right away, we, we want to turn on people. We want to, and then God, when we don't feel like God is answering on our time, we go to, do you even care? Imagine accusing Jesus of not caring. I mean, that statement alone should have got a rebuke. I mean, you're talking about Jesus here. We're not talking about Judas. We're not even talking about David or any of the other prophets. We're talking about Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that Benny just a little while ago said saved him from alcohol addiction. The same Jesus who hung on the cross for you and I, who was spat upon, who was beaten, who was punched, who was, who was flogged. The same Jesus they accused of not caring. Sometimes we can go there when our faith is weak. We panic. Lord, I've been waiting on this. and it, 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 I mean, come on. I'm trying to put into practice prayer. I'm reading the Bible. You still got to trust God, though. Still got to trust God. See, they obviously didn't know Jesus as well as they thought they did. Because they would have been like, you know what? Leave Jesus alone. You know, we, we know. If, if, if anything, he can stop this. They didn't know Jesus well enough. They didn't, they, their faith wasn't where it needed to be. And they panicked because they were afraid. Now, you know, what's interesting is that Jesus used this word, delios, which is translated, the root word for it is cowardly. So what Jesus was actually rebuking now, you may think, look, we're afraid of, you know, some people are afraid of spiders, right? There are things that we're just afraid of. You don't blame, you don't get on people for being afraid of certain things, right? Like, I'll be wrong, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm afraid of cats. I don't like cats. I don't trust cats. I had a traumatic experience when I was a boy. And from then on, I, I'll be honest with you, a cat's coming down the street, I cross the street. Because I don't, a dog is different. A dog will like kind of let you know, I'm not, I'm not the one to pet. A cat will let you get close, won't show any sign, will even rub up against your leg and the next thing, and you're like, what? I don't trust cats. All right? Um, if you've been born and raised in New York, I don't care how long I've, I've been born and raised here in New York, I'm still afraid of rats. I just, it's just one thing you just don't get used to. I don't think you've ever, I don't think I've, a mouse is different, you know, roaches, you know, but a rat is a whole nother thing. All right, I'm not ashamed to say, I'm not ashamed to admit. I, I've never, I've never gotten used to that, all right? So... There are things that we're afraid of, but Jesus uses the word cowardly. In other words, in essence, Jesus is like, why are you cowering? Because there's a storm, Jesus. No, no, no. It's all right to be afraid. This has gone a, a little beyond that now. See, I think 
We take it easy on ourselves when it comes to fear. Like we're afraid because it's, fear is, could be a healthy thing. But no one likes to be called a coward. And that's what Jesus was saying to these men. You guys are being cowards. You see, our faith, we want to get to a point to where we're not cowering to the storms of life. Because being afraid can be limited to an experience. But when you live in fear, now you're a coward. When, when fear takes over your life, when fear replaces faith in your life, you're not faithful. When you live by faith, you're faithful. When you live by fear, you're cowardly. Revelation 21.8 says that all liars, all impure, and all cowardly, that's what he says. And now it makes sense because you're like, well, why would a coward go to hell? Why would, why would God punish me? It's because cowardice is a lifestyle when faith is absent. And so how can a faithful person with fear not make it into heaven? God understands that we'll have fear, which is why he tells us to not be afraid. But Jesus is saying something deeper. He's saying, don't be afraid of the wind. He said, don't be a coward. Don't live in fear. That's what he's saying. Don't be someone who, who lives in fear. You see, fear breeds cowardice, but faith breeds courage. Let me ask you a question. Can Jesus take a nap on your watch? I mean, haven't we seen it happen countless times? Jesus called multiple storms, financial storms, relational storms, emotional storms, spiritual storms, physical storms. We've seen it over and over and over again. Jesus has calmed so many storms in our lives that you and I should never walk in fear. And Jesus should be able to take a nap when he's around us in the middle of a storm, because we trust that if it's going to swamp us and sink us, he'll wake up. So you don't have to live in fear. Faith has to play a stronger role in our lives. And you can only get there by trusting him. You know, Romans 10 verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the what? The message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. What message are you feeding your faith? We got to feed our faith the word of God. This is where Bible study comes in. We have to constantly feed our faith the promises of God. We have to feed our faith words of assurance. We have to feed our faith the things that will lead to the dissipation of fear. But the more we feed our faith fear, the more cowardly we become. Now, I'll cross the street if I see a big five-pound rat coming my way. That's just having a healthy fear and respect for New York's rodent population. 
But I'm not going to move out of New York because of the rats. I'm not going to move out of New York because of my fear of feral cats. That's living in fear. That's being cowardly. Don't change your situation in life because of fear. If God is trying to take you somewhere else, let it be because you have faith in God's deliverance, in God's providence, that God is taking you somewhere just like he did Abraham, who did not know where he was going, but it was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith, because he trusted God. Which messages are you feeding your faith? Secondly, we got to get out of the boat. We get out of the boat, but fail to float. That's how you know if your faith is not getting stronger. What does that mean? You know, most of us have taken a leap of faith to walk with Christ. For some of us, we didn't know, you know, and God doesn't expect you to know everything to make that decision. So our initial walk with God starts off with a leap of faith. It starts off with us getting out of the boat. Starts with us getting out of the boat. Now, I may be the only person that I know who can swim but can't tread water. I sink like a rock. When I stop paddling, I go right to the bottom. I can't do the dead man float. I can't backstroke. I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. All right? My kids be going to the pool. They're swimming. My wife floating and everything. I go right to the bottom. Now, you know, that works. That's fine. If you, don't, if you have a fear of drowning, then that's fine. You know, you don't want to drown. That's, that's no biggie. You know, I, I survive. But it doesn't work when it comes to faith. Like, you got to be able to float. You got to be able to keep going. So the initial leap of faith is great. But we got to keep walking with Jesus. We got to keep going. We can't stop because then that shows the measure of your faith. Again, it's like driving a car on E. You get in the car, it starts. All right, we're going somewhere. But how far can you really go if your gas tank is on E? You got to be able to go forward. You got to be able to continue. In Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, we see a a very familiar story here. Uh, You know, Jesus is with his disciples. In verse 22, it says, uh, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed him, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter t- replied, here goes Peter. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began 
and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And I can imagine that scene, looking at, Jesus, at, looking at Peter as he's pulling him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? I mean, imagine how amazing. I mean, it's already amazing that Peter walked on water, period. But imagine how amazing that story would have been if Peter would have went the distance. I think his gospels would probably, his, his letter would have probably read a little different than it does now. I, well, he, I would have started, I don't know about you, I, I'm not that modest of a guy, but I would have started my letters like, I, Peter, walker on water. So people would know who I am. I'm the guy that walked on water. He didn't start his letters off that way for a reason. Because he sunk. He doubted. But imagine. I mean, he, his letters would have been more popular than Paul's. Because Paul didn't walk on water. But Peter, yeah, I'm the guy that walked on water. Calm down. Yes, that's me. Anyway, add to your faith. And you know. So I'm, a, I'm pretty sure that this was an embarrassing moment for Peter. He probably felt defeated. He probably felt insecure going forward. And sometimes that's what happens when we start our walk with God and somewhere between we start to run out of steam and we start sinking. And Jesus is asking us the same question he asked Peter. Why did you doubt? You see, Peter literally came up short. Jesus uses a word here when he says you have little faith, that means for a short time. It's not little in height. He's talking about the distance. It's like your faith was cut short. Peter, why did you stop? So in other words, what Jesus was saying to him is you were almost there, but you stopped short. And I can imagine how excited Jesus was to see one of the men that he's training to advance the kingdom on earth get out and take a step out on faith. I can imagine that Jesus was excited. Come on, Peter. And then he started to see him sink. And he looked at him. Why did you doubt? You were almost there. You know, sometimes... When our faith isn't where it needs to be, we stop short right before God, right before we reach Jesus. Right before God is about to bless us beyond, answer that one, that prayer we've been hanging on, and as and, and, and soon as we get there, we doubt stops us and cuts us short. And Jesus is like, why did you doubt You were almost there. You see, James tells us that in order for our faith to mature, we have to, trials, it has to finish its course. We got to let our faith go the distance. You You know, for parents, we start off wanting to be parents. And then we realize just how hard it is to be parents. All those uncertainties. It, it did, parenting didn't come with an instruction manual. 
We've had different people tell us, oh, it's going to change your life. Some people, oh, it's going to make your life, uh, you know, it's gonna, you're, you're going to be so blessed. You're going to be so happy. And then some people are like, bro, are you sure you want to go down this road? And I don't think of any parent that's ever regretted having kids, but I do believe that some of us doubt ourselves because things didn't turn out maybe the way we expected them to. And Jesus is like, hold on. We're not done. Why are you doubting? And fear starts to set in because things aren't turning out the way we expected it to. But that's because we want so much control over our lives. And when our kids do things that's out of our control, fear can set in. And God wants us to be faithful. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I need you to hold on. Don't doubt. This story's not over yet. You know, with marriages, we start off wanting to spend the rest of our lives with that person until we hit that relational storm and it starts getting choppy and we're in the boat and and you got one life, life reserver on the boat and you're looking at it and when you first made your vow, like, woman, I will do anything. I will give my life for you. But you're on this boat and there's only one life jacket and you're like, you know what? There's a lot of fish in the sea. And the person you once could not see your life without, now you can't spend 10 minutes in the same room. And you start doubting. Did I marry the right person? Jesus is like, don't let those winds and don't let those waves cause you to fear. Marriages are going to have their storms. We got to weather them as best we can and let God navigate us through them. You know, for the singles, we start off confessing Jesus is Lord of everything. And for some of us, we just say, you know, we made Jesus Lord and in the back of our mind, we're like, he's, he's Lord, but I also want some things. So I know that if I make Jesus Lord, he's going to give me all the things that I want in my life because I'm making him Lord. So he's going to reward my faith. He's going to reward my commitment. And then we realize several years in, man, this is hard. And that temptation to compromise starts lingering like a carrot to a donkey. And we're like, man, you know what? That's, that carrot's looking mighty good. And we're tempted. Some of us have gone back. We were, we were married and we've gone back into the single life. Never thought we'd be there. But Jesus still needs to be Lord. Jesus still needs to be Lord, you know, we got to cling to God's promises, and, and, and marriage was not a promise of God. Being rich was not a promise of God. 
We got to cling to the real promises, not the stuff that you hear on TV and, and, and all these. No, no, we got to cling to what the Bible says, which is why we got to fill ourselves up with the word of God. To know what he promised and what he didn't promise. Because sometimes we can assume that because he made one promise, well, that automatically means this. No, it doesn't. And we set ourselves up to fail when we think that God's promised something that he didn't. Because we didn't see it in the word. You got to see it in the word yourself and cling to it. God promised to give us the strength to make it through anything. God promised that he would be there and work out the good for those who love him. God promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. God promised that he'll give us the words to say when we need it. God promised that we won't need for anything because he's going to surround us with a family of believers who love us, who will meet our needs. He's like, you don't have to go chasing for anything. I'll provide for you. There are things that God did promise that we need to cling to. You know, we have enough faith to get out of the boat, but do we have enough to get through it to the end? And that's where God is trying to get us to. That's where prayer, that's where Bible study, that's where holding to the scripture gets us to. Now, we too can look at Peter and say, you know what, I, I can relate so much to Peter. But here's the thing, God is faithful. You know, even though Peter was sinking, immediately Jesus reached out and caught him. That's the grace of God. When we start slipping, when we start sinking, God is not the kind of God that's going to sit there in a boat and look at us and like, all right, kick, kick, push. No, he reached out, he grabbed him, and he pulled him up. That's the kind of God we serve. And lastly, let's look at this last example here in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, verses 5 and 13, Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. You know, Peter, he came up short when Jesus tested his faith. He came up short, but God is faithful. This is the last person we'll look at who Jesus tested in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I'll go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with my soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness. where They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. You know, Jesus wasn't impressed by a lot. There's only a couple times in the scripture where it says that Jesus himself was amazed. This was one example right here. Now, 
What's really amazing to me is that this centurion had every reason to doubt. He didn't grow up going to the synagogues like Peter and the other disciples. He didn't grow up memorizing the Old Testament scriptures, hearing about what God did with Moses and the Exodus and, and what God did with the people in the desert. He didn't grow up hearing the stories of, of Joshua and David. So this man really only knew of Jesus. He didn't know Jesus personally. But the one thing that sent him through the roof, that impressed Jesus, was his faith. His faith was on full. It was on blast. I mean, when you look at, compared to Peter, who walked with Jesus and doubted, this man said, Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the words. He had enough faith that he believed that even though Jesus was far off and nowhere near his home, when you look at Luke, it says of this account that the man was, he sent his servants. So the man was actually at his home, sent his, sending messages through his servants to Jesus. So the man was at home, sending his message. Jesus was still on his way. He said, look, tell Jesus, don't even come. Just say the word and it will be done. And Jesus stopped and thought, who in Israel is like this? And said, you know what? It's done. Healed his faith from a distance. Didn't even have to come to church. Think about that. Now, don't stay home and think that, well, James said, I don't have to come. I'll be. It's not what I'm saying. But I do feel like we got to have the kind of faith that if Jesus just says the word, it will be done. All I need is Jesus to say the word. And here's the good news. Jesus has already said the words. We have it right here. If Jesus said it will be done, all you need to do is believe it. And God promises that it will be done just as you believe it would. You know, I tell you, every year, God never ceases to amaze me. There are times where, where you know, you, I, I go to Scripture. There are times where in prayer, I just pray. It, it doesn't have to be anything big or, or mountain-moving, just something simple. And God comes through. And, you just, and it's just a, a, a trust that you have. Like, you know, God, I, I know you hear it. I'm going to put it out there to you. I trust that you'll hear it and you'll get it at your time. And that kind of faith, God, you don't even have to do, uh, you know, you know just, just say the word. I know that if you wanted to do this, you could do this right now. God wants to know that you and I still have that type of faith. Because God can move and do immeasurably more we can ask or imagine. When Jesus found someone of faith, he often commended them. And when he found those of no faith, he often questioned them. Why do you doubt? And I believe it's because faith is a decision. We have a choice to believe or doubt. And when you read your Bible and you feed your faith, faithful messages, you set yourself up to make the better decision than you would 
if you were not in your word. You see, when you're not in your word, you're going off your own strength and power. But when you're in the Bible and you're connected with God through prayer, you're praying through the throne room of God and you understand that God hears every prayer that goes up. And you know that God is working for you no matter where you're at in your life. If God can hear the prayer and answer the prayer of a centurion who neither for, there's no proof that this man even became a disciple. If God can answer the prayer, the desire of a Roman centurion, how much more those who have committed to following Jesus with their whole lives? So my question to you today is where is your faith? Test yourself. Do I panic in the midst of storms? Have you panicked in your recent storm? If so, you got to feed your faith more. Cling to those promises of God. And then secondly, are you ready to float or will you stay in the boat? Don't let fear keep you in the boat. Don't let fear keep you from walking this walk. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to slip up. There are going to be challenges. But don't let fear lead to cowardly living. Step out on faith. Let God take you by the hand and take you to those uncharted places where only faith lives and where faith will grow. I believe that God wants to be astonished by our faith. And I believe that everyone here has the potential to amaze Jesus just as this centurion has done. I love you guys. I'm glad to be back. God be the glory.